0: listening to death by dvd and this episode marks the beginning of monster month all month october 2021 we'll be talking about monster movies i am hank the
1: world's greatest and live from his bathtub it's alexander nash this is uh gonna be a whole month of monster movies it's almost like a a monster bash it could even be possibly some sort of mash
0: I don't know, I think more like a fest. I think it's a, like a festival sort of thing or maybe like a, a monster get together, socially distanced. It's a monster briss. This is death by <laughs> DVD. The awkward silence I'm gonna leave in. That needs to stay there just so the audience can feel what we feel. All right, briskfully breezing by the briss. Back to monster month. Since you're the creature from the bathroom why don't you tell the people what we're up to buddy
1: we decided to kind of take this into a uh, interesting direction i guess because we're going to be kind of going through monster movies throughout the years but we are starting in 1950 because i don't really want to go back and just talk specifically about a bunch of old universal monster movies Uh, not that they're bad by any means but They're not particularly my bag, and I think a lot of people have covered them endlessly. So we're going to kind of move through decades and talk about monster movies, like starting with the 50s, going on to the 60s, and kind of the evolution of where like rubber monster movies went. And monster movies have kind of uh, somewhat gone by the wayside, with a caveat. Monster movies are bigger than ever. They've just significantly changed what they were, because they used to really be a specific kind of horror thing or um, something along those lines, like a kind of an exploitation type situa- situation. And now monster movies have moved completely into the mass uh, blockbuster territory. And there's tons of monster movies all the time. They're just, most of them are not horror movies anymore. They're comedies or they are uh, Marvel movies or, you know, just along those lines, because we're just not making like where the fuck is like terror vision. Why has anybody remade Terror Vision? Where's, like, a monster movie like that? Like, big, dumb, rubber monster movies, and not Pacific Rim, and not something that is so polished and, like, serious. Like, a fun monster movie. The thing about what we're doing is we're starting specifically in the 1950s because that's when a lot of, like, it really became about monsters and, like, you know big rubber monsters monsters from space and when you go to the um when you go to the 1930s and 40s movies like dracula frankenstein the mummy all that stuff they're all very gothic they're all very much um you know to a certain extent incredibly beautifully shot um like startling black and white photography but that's just not the direction we're headed we're headed in a more of uh, I think call it goofy monster movies, but just not so, like, serious horror films. Just straight-up, good-old-fashioned, mo- fun monster movies. I think a big distinction to especially previously established
0: universal monsters, because that's the territory we're heading into, yes, they were very gothic, but almost all of these things were coming from previously established territories. You had Frankenstein, you had the Wolfman, you had things of legend and lore, vampires and Dracula. I am... And from that point on, they all became repetitive because you had Dracula 2, Son of Dracula. Dracula 2000. Dracula's Cousin Fred. There was a great deal of other movies. Blackula, Vampire in Brooklyn, one of my personal personal favorites. But within that, the genre doesn't really go anywhere and it doesn't extend with Frankenstein. It's just the same thing, the Wolfman. Hey, the next movie, there's going to be another Wolfman. But you enter the 1950s, something I think inclusively American happened. And I I really dare say the Rubber Monster movie is a definitive piece of Americana and American film. Yes, it had been done before. Concepts like this had been done for many years before. But definitively, I think the way that it has become even exploited since then is very American. But the nature of... The epic rubber monster movie solely comes from Creature from the Black Lagoon, Jack Arnold's Creature from the Black Lagoon, a movie that would deeply go on to, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, Jaws in the 1970s, all the Jaws movies. And what I was babbling about a few seconds ago, you got Dracula, you got the Wolfman, you've got the Mummy. All these things and all their incarnations are just the exact same thing. You can remake the movie, but you're still remaking the Mummy, the Wolfman. The Creature from the Black Lagoon oddly hasn't been touched really again by anyone else. There are two sequels to the movie. It's been attempted to be remade several times, but so many of the themes, the soundtrack, the visions that were used in this movie, the underwater photography, just to say the word themes again, the themes of terror and how it really explores the nature of man being a beast, I think, have been constantly knocked off, ripped off, and remade over and over and over again to this very day, down to the movies you were discussing at the beginning of the show, how monster movies have become things like Transformers. But it's all really the same plot, which is unique in itself because Creature
1: from the Black Lagoon is just a
0: ripoff of King Kong.
1: And it very much is a ripoff of King Kong, but it does go to exploit other ideas. Like, one of the things that I say was pretty significant about Creature from the Black Lagoon I'm no historian, but I'd say this is probably one of the first real horror films around that time that was really revolved around water being a theme, fear of what's beneath the water, uh, fear of drowning, those, those type of themes. I mean, yeah, you had pirate movies, you had things like that where water's involved, but this is like a horror movie where there's some sort of creature underneath the water and this kind of prolificated throughout the years after this film into many other different films of water creatures, creatures from um, different sections of the world that maybe you never explored before. You ended up having uh, movies like uh, The Mole Men and stuff like that to where we uh, kind of stopped getting out of the musty old castles and really went into different areas of the world and really kind of exploring different concepts and ideas of what could be horrific from different cultures that's not specifically the myth of vampires, werewolves, that sort of thing. So this kind of really jump-started a whole litany of films that you could kind of come up with your own concept, your own monster, your own interesting creature that you could maybe possibly build a series off of. Because Creature of the Black Lagoon, once it was made, they uh, immediately like started setting up uh, Revenge of the Creature, the sequel, because they had the idea of, We're going to franchise this motherfucker. Well, that's something that's unique
0: with The Creature from the Black Lagoon is, in fact, this movie, before it even came into fruition in 1952, a year before this movie was filmed, they had already decided with multiple rewrites. The movie has screenplay and story by one or two writers' names, but there were dozens and dozens of people that contributed to this and wrote and rewrote the script. And it was heavily decided in 1952 that we can't kill The Creature. No matter what, it has to live because we're going to make a sequel. It was maybe two months after the release of Creature from the Black Lagoon that Revenge of the Creature was going into production. So, this is referencing something you said at the beginning of the show, just talking about how much the influence this has had, but how monster movies might not be horrifying or about horror anymore whatsoever. You can take something, you can take it going all the way back to Creature from the Black Lagoon in the sense that. Most movies now are set up in the sense, oh, we got to make three or four of these. This has got to be a series. You can't even watch a TV series anymore without binging 18 episodes because it's the general design. This is one of the forefathers of that general design. Not only were they out there selling a product, but they knew before they even invested in the sequel it was going to be good enough and worthy enough because this effect, what they were doing, was completely different. Yet alone, we haven't mentioned, this was 3D. It could have been a color picture. It would have ended up being something like $750,000. So Universal really wanted to spend money and put it out at like $650,000 in black and white. And that was a big pull to people. Not only do we get this new monster, but we get it in shocking 3D.
1: You kind of have to put it into a little bit of context because like the other Universal monster movies, the that time period had kind of largely ended. The Dracula and, you know, Son of Dracula and Son of the Wolfman and Avon Costello, it had become parody, and the monster movies had kind of gone by the wayside, and they were no longer particularly profitable. So they were kind of trying to jumpstart That craze again by making Creature from the Black Lagoon of just like let's make a like a different kind of monster movie because largely those properties are dead and we got our you know we we sucked as much out of this as we possibly can so it looks like we're gonna have to go different direction and find something else that we can kind of um, bring in like almost the matinee audience Uh, the kids um, who are gonna go see Creature from the Black Lagoon like several times like you're gonna probably see this. It's probably gonna play at your theater for like three or four weeks, and you're gonna go see it five, six times. So you got nothing to do at noon on a Sunday. You're gonna go pay twenty five cents and go watch Creatures in the Black Lagoon again. That's exploitation. I mean, it's even the the director of this picture, Jack Arnold, was I,
0: I would say at the time a forerunner to early exploitation. Right before this, he had done The Glass Web and It Came from Outer Space. All of these movies, just like The Creature from the Black Lagoon or something, you would go sit through and see at the matinee two or three times. Not even on a double bill, it was something to do because they were fantastical and different from just like you were saying. It's not the same gothic, vampiric, it's not the same Hello, I'm Dracula, it's not the same shit over and over and over again, even though it might be really cheap and I would dare say below B grade. You enter Creature from the Black Lagoon into the fold, it's, it's on Earth. It's different. It's not the same. I mean, because you've gone from an era of the same old, same old Universal Monster movies to this giant era of everything is in space. And, God, it's poorly in space. We're getting into an era where Star Trek is about to burgeon into fruition and, and the idea of traveling to Mars is exotic and erotic to some. The Creature from the Black Lagoon really investigates the haunting idea of what we don't know about Earth. And I think to audiences of the time period and still to now, it's fascinating.
1: Oh, Mars. Fuck yeah, baby. Talk to me about Mars. Oh, so fucking (laughs) erotic. What I do find interesting about Creature from the Black Lagoon is it's, for the most part, largely not very uh, xenophobic um, because this film takes place in a jungle. We find a fossil, and then we're going to go out and look um, in this area that's, you know, the Amazon, whatever. It doesn't particularly matter. But at around this era, like in the 40s and stuff, a lot of the quote-unquote like Buana movies, you would always end up running into like a tribe, a tribe of people in blackface or a tribe of, you know, just like where they would just – Freaked out by the customs of these uh, these forest people in the jungles, and we largely abandon that, and it really focuses heavily on the creature itself, and we're not focused in on all the like, the weird fears of um, imperializers or colonizers of just like coming to an unfamiliar territory and being attacked by the natives, and this would like like kind of clearly focuses on the monster that's in this area, even though it does have some kind of iffy, touchy stuff with some um, Latinos in this film. (laughs) But, I mean, it's not quite as bad as, say, you know, you go back to the 40s and stuff like the leech people or the, uh, what is it, the leech woman, not leech people. Well, speaking of the
0: attack on the locals with the creature from the Black Lagoon, here's your one fun fact of Death by DVD trivia for that episode. The tribesmen that is killed... That's the guy that's busting Jack Nicholson's chops the entire movie through his former partner in Chinatown.
1: Really is. One of his first roles. And the guy who played the creature from the Black Lagoon in uh, the underwater uh, scenes, he directed Mr. No Legs. Oh! Rico Brown. Yeah, he also created Flipper. I fucking hate Flipper. That show was terrible.
0: So did Flipper because the dolphin fucking killed itself. What? <laughs> like, the first two flipper dolphins committed suicide. Via what? They stopped breathing. They would go into their trainer's arms and would hold their breath until they died. And I, I mispronounced his name. I do apologize. I could edit this out later, but I'm a bit too lazy to. It's Rico Browning. It's not Rico Brown. Browning. Big distinction there. But yeah, sad fact. Google that. Flipper dolphins killed themselves. I'm not making that up. Sometimes it sounds like I'm making shit up, and I'll admit it. A little bit. Sometimes I do. But I'm not. Flipper dolphins. Killed themselves. Sad Teo. We're gonna we're gonna edit in some sad violins for them.
1: That was long enough. If you go to the era that films were coming out, Creature is kind of a a, a stand apart from a lot of the other ones because of the uh, kind of. In- Inquisitive nature of it, because we don't know what this is. This isn't the same old tired vampire thing. This is a new creature, and we are fascinated by it. I don't think we're also. Well, we don't even
0: really see the creature for a good portion of the movie, and I think that's what really adds to a great level of of mystique and mystery. But touching upon something that you um, just said several seconds ago, I thought that was really interesting. When you do look at this movie, there isn't a lot of xenophobia present, but instead, what is almost a counterpoint. Because when you really look and you watch this movie, yes, we do have a creature, a monster, a universal monster, a vicious creature of whatever sorts you want to fantasize about. We all know what the creature from the Black Lagoon is. But this movie really is this thing that's been living peacefully its entire existence for thousands and thousands of years, and then some white people come in. And really fuck everything up. Not just that. I mean, uh, there's a film, we've talked about it, a double feature with the original and the remake on this program before called Long Weekend. And I think that movie really harkens similarities to The Creature from the Black Lagoon and Echo Terrorism itself. And despite the era of this movie being so early and it being an American movie, I really think it does have a representation of... Our effect on the ecosystem, our effect on the environment, take away that it's a monster movie. Look at what our footprint, ours as the human beings on this earth, is leaving behind and what it's doing to things that were here thriving before the Industrial
1: Revolution and so on and so forth. I mean, if you've ever seen Humanoids for the Deep, though, um, we have to protect our women from the fishmen. Well, we have to protect our Doug McClures and we fucking failed him. We we failed our Doug. We McLears. failed him hard. Yeah. Um, but and I mean, it does go in typical ways—the King Kong, King Kong thing, where the creature becomes fascinated by the the woman, this exotic white woman that he's never seen before, and. We don't know what he particularly wants to do with her, but he's trying to kidnap her and bring her back to his, his little love shack. There's a piece that was apparently cut from this movie that I think
0: would have been really, really important and beneficial to the story that uh, I don't think we need to discuss what happens in The Creature from the Black Lagoon, but they're traveling to the Black Lagoon, and they've got this steamboat Willie-type character who is you know, the captain of the ship, and there was supposed to be a sequence where he explained... There's this myth of a beautiful half-woman, half-sea creature, a mer-woman, to come up with something else to say, that fell in love with a man, and when he got shipped upriver, she followed him and loved him so much, she followed him into dangerous waters and was eaten by crocodiles. And they say that the fishman has always wanted a woman since. That would at least be something to let us understand his fascination with Julie Adams, K. Lawrence character. But I don't. I know there's not just an innuendo to intercourse and sexuality in general with some of the sequences between Julie Adams and the creature from the Black Lagoon and them swimming and the eloquence of them and the photography and all that. But I think there's a little bit of innocence behind it too of this creature that is so alone and different from our society taking in the beauty of something like that statue of the mother mary holding jesus dying you know when people go to italy and they see things like that there's a whole fucking movie about it the stenthal syndrome how art can affect you so beautifully you just want to be a part of it i think there's something much more innocent to the creature and it's him being invoked into anger or we don't know it's a him the lagoon monster well that seems rude to say too The creature's identity, to us, is something of absolute innocence until it's invoked. We don't know what was going to happen. It came from where. We don't know anything about it. All we know is that these people have come on no terms of welcome greeting. You know, they're out here to cause a problem, and all we know is he's the monster? Just to be
1: a little hypercritical of the film... Uh, it is a classic in many ways, um, but there are problems with it overall. It is largely located in one location. Um, they do manage to use that location to uh, its absolute nth degree of how, like how they shot it and how they're interacting with their environment to this one little small area. Because this lagoon is absolutely tiny. But the photography is not great, which I have. It probably has a lot to do with the 3D, uh, but I will say this. The underwater photography is, is quite beautiful and quite interesting, but just the overall photography of the, uh, the film is um, it's a little flat. They did not push the contrast on the black and white too much, but again, could have something to do with the 3D technology to where it's just it's just a little muted. Uh, overall, it's just not particularly impressive. And especially when you uh, watch it on Blu-ray super cleaned up, you see a lot of seams on the the creature suit. You see like way more of it than you really needed to with with the fourth wall completely intact and a little a little bit more of that film grain covering everything. I think it causes a lot of the enigmatic beauty
0: of the movie to be lost, and looking at some of the predecessors of especially universal monster films, something that is a key note is the Norrish photography and how looming and dark and creepy and, I guess you could say, aesthetically pleasing it is. And this does, in full agreement with what you're saying, it it just seems too sunny, it seems too friendly, it really seems like we're actually out in the Amazon. And this was filmed, for the most part, on location in Florida, well, it's supposed to be the Amazon, so I guess you wouldn't suck, fucking say it was on location. Well, and I mean, it, it, it was sunny, filmed.
1: The underwater stuff was Florida, but the out-of-water stuff was like like uh, the backlot at Universal in uh, California.
0: Well, they did do enough attention to detail uh, when you're traveling on the riverboat, all those back sequences. They actually shot all of that in Florida, so when they blue-screened all of it in, it, it was the... the authentic location uh, wiki watchy in florida i believe i lived near there one time and I, I feel ashamed that i never once went to the the shooting locations of creature from the black lagoon because i'm a shitty you know
1: what fan. you had done went uh water and then you would have just gone away 'Cause it's literally just it's it's just water. There's nothing that impressive about the location. I disagree a little bit. The the
0: impressive thing is the fact that to this day it's it's mentioned in so many interviews and so many documentaries you can see about this movie. But the area was, was such a choice location for Creature from the Black Lagoon because the person that had previously owned it, and I know it might be family still to this day, but I know you can still see the mermaids that do a show very similar to what Rico Browning did to breathe in the creature from the Black Lagoon learned from the the man that started the whole mermaid show in wiki florida what was so ideal about this is the guy had conserved it absolutely perfectly that this area still looks remarkably as it would have two three hundred years ago there hasn't been a lot of industrialization there are no mcdonald's it's been kept very very clean there's a lot of areas uh in that part of florida like starkey park that people have really put their foot down and have not let it gotten destroyed that's out toward uh, Newport Richie or Port Richie, Florida, or so, but it's it's remarkable. And what helps to the effect of this movie is this isn't just some stock footage from the Amazon. There are a lot of stark and contrasting beauty shots, but almost all of them are underwater. That it is very bland, and it I it has to be the 3D, and that tends to be a fault with some of these movies that otherwise would have been absolutely gorgeous. Revenge from the creature, also I think would have been a very, very beautiful movie, but the whole idea of forcing it into 3D just to sell tickets, it does damage the idea because 3D was so drastically different, getting it represented on screen, yet alone having people that could show it well enough. So I think a lot of these movies ended up getting bad raps when they came out because people went and saw them and the projectionists just sucked at what they were doing and it wasn't shown because you had to kind of have two reels with these anaglyph glasses showing one thing and then the other thing is being projected... Through that to show the other thing and you're wearing these glasses so you can see one out of one eye and one out of the other eye if the projection is too slow then it's gonna seem like it's fuzzy and dirty and something's happening before it shouldn't happen and movies end up getting a really terrible rap for that but the underwater sequences were never done before I don't believe at all that there is any movie at least in American horror cinema that has underwater photography quite like the creature from the Black Lagoon to the point that cameras were designed to shoot some of these underwater sequences. And it's just... It it might not look as, as amazing as it could now, but you go back and you look at the era and when this was shot, yet alone looking at how people were, were breathing and the chemical mixtures for those water tanks compared to how they are now. It was very dangerous, but I think there's a... And I think there's a beauty to all of it of getting these people out there and really risking it for a monster movie. I mean, there's no way that any studio executive could have thought, regardless, that this was going to be an A-picture. And it somehow comes off with a lot of the eloquence that... Maybe not A-pictures, but similar B-movies, things with Bogart. There were movies with a lot of the same air and and premise. I wouldn't say premise, not going into the Black Lagoon and the Amazon. But the Beauty and the Beast premise, I guess, an unconventional hero and... A maybe not so deserving heroine sort of thing. And it really harkens more back to like Nora movies where the good detective would fall in love with like the mafia mistress or something. And I know it sounds like psychobabble here, but
1: I don't know. I watch a lot of old movies. I'm sorry. With the more Gothic stuff like your Dracula and your Frankenstein, um, it was a different era and cameras are a little bit different. So you really had to hit everything really hard with the lights. So you got really crisp, hard shadows and, They learned at the time to use those shadows and to uh, give tone and effect via the photography. And when you get into the creature from the Black Lagoon era, TV kind of was starting to come around a little bit. Movies and cameras didn't need as much light. So they um, kind of started shooting everything very makeshift and quick. It was like they weren't putting as much time into um, really trying to set up interesting um, geometric black and white photography like they did back in the 30s and 40s to you know gather a kind of uh, an emotional effect and that shows on the film but i think it way makes up for it with its underwater photography and it being as crisp and interesting it as it is because you didn't see much underwater photography especially in 3d or uh, at this point i i just mostly have a problem with the um The out-of-water footage just... I mean, it doesn't look bad by any means. It's just... It's not really pushed. It's not pushed into that more noir direction. It's not pushed into that more, like, kind of gothic look that I really appreciate about, you know, a lot of the earlier Universal monster movies. But that's that's a real big nitpick. That's, like, I mean, if you got... If you gotta say something bad about Creature, it's just, it's a little boring photography wise. That's about it.
0: Uh, I hate to be entirely critical of your statement, but I think one problem is uh, something that you said in your a key, something that you said that's a key to this. You recently rewatched a Blu ray of this, and I admittedly have not seen Creature from the Black Lagoon on Blu ray. I've seen Revenge of the Creature, but I've also seen them on their original format DVD, and it's not like. I'm trying to be a gatekeeper and say, you gotta see the old version of the movie. But I think a lot of the older prints of this movie, the pre-cleaning up, let's make this super high definition, they're a lot prettier and a lot of it is the film grain, a lot of it has how it's been treated, but there's something to the nostalgic TV look of some of these movies that really helps carry it. When you, you clean something up so immaculately, I don't know if we've had this discussion on the show, but I know Alexander Nash and I have had it before. I'm a big fan of the movie Aliens by James Cameron. I have no interest in seeing that on 4K. I know that there's only eight guys dressed up as aliens in that movie, and you're supposed to be believing there's thousands of them. I don't want to fucking see that. I have no interest in seeing
1: the, the extreme. I've seen it cleaned up, and let me tell you, when they're crawling out of the walls... You can obviously see a guy in a suit hanging off of the walls. They're just there in the background. It's not like a thing like Michael Myers like kind of emerging from the darkness. It's like, there's a guy back there waiting.
0: And that sounds just horrible to me. A lot of the mystique, a lot of what sells these movies is the, the... And what you were saying, cameras were made different. Film is shot differently. Having things darkened, maybe it was darkened for that reason. Maybe the scene was shot darkly because it needed to be shown to the audience
1: as a dark scene. It's not so much about darkness. It's more about it being flat. There like, and I think again, that could have something to do with the 3d and light exposure, but also the fact that you expect the 3d gimmick to round out that image and bring it out to where it separates the characters from the background a lot more. But when you're using light and shadow to do that specifically, um, it gives it a whole new look and a whole new tune. I think it would make the 3d pop way much more than it does. Well, I think there's a a real incomplete feeling to the creature, to the Black Lagoon itself, that
0: the beginning of the movie is this transition period where we have our quote-unquote heroes, or at least the protagonist, and they're traveling to the Black Lagoon. And there's obvious warning signs. We get the slow-approaching creature. And I was saying earlier in the show that things from this movie, I think, have been taken and used by directors for years and years and years. Something like Friday the 13th. We don't see Jason. Or is it, Jason? All we see is a hand throughout most of the movie. Something like that is so easily used from Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think the monster is shown way too soon, but before it is finally revealed to us, we get these horrifying looks of its hand, and they're very ornate. Everything is so wet and so strange, and you can tell that we're going to get into a different atmosphere here, and I personally think the monster shouldn't have shown up, at least for... Thirty-five, maybe even 40 minutes into the movie, there would have been some great shots to still underwater, not reveal it, but let us uh, horrifyingly with tension grow. And again, I think that would have helped the photography a lot more. But you finally get the visual of the monster, and it's still one of those tactics that's used to this day of not showing what we're seeing for so long. We don't know what's happening. Now, obviously, it's not a man, we know that we're dealing with something very different here. But it's approaches from it's approaches that were used in this movie that I think helped make the actual slasher film when we move into the late 1960s, early 1970s. And you look at something like Black Christmas, that's Bob Clark. You can't tell me that Bob Clark wasn't sitting around with Alan Ormsby in fucking Florida watching things like Creature from the Black Lagoon because that's literally how they made Children Shouldn't Play with Dead things because they went and saw Not the Living Dead in the theater. Those two got together, got stoned, watched movies totally. Creature from the Black Lagoon influenced the slasher movie.
2: Death by DVD will return after a brief commercial break. What are you doing there, pal? What'll it be?
0: Uh, I guess I'll have a light beer.
2: Ugh. I'm just so
0: tired of flavorless, boring beer. can at my face.
2: I think my nose is broken. (laughs) I have a gun. My nose is broken. I couldn't help but overhear you say you're tired of boring, flavorless beer. Well, it's time to try a Black Lagoon Hard Seltzer. Why did you throw a beer can at my face? Oh oh god, can somebody please get me paper towels?
3: I I can't stop the bleeding. Who likes hard seltzer anyways? It's just carbonated water. Oh god, that hit me in the eye!
2: Black Lagoon Hard Seltzer not only packs a wallop, but comes in unique flavors like Pollution Punch and Gill Man Grape.
3: Stop. stop! Why are you hitting me? Please stop!
2: Black Lagoon Heart Seltzer, bring out the monster in you! <laughs> naturally black in color because we can directly from the amazon river one of the most polluted water sources in the world ah, please stop here please ah, it's my ear please ah. oh for the love of god please Please, please help me. Have eight of them, and bring out the monster in you. <laughs> Black Lagoon Hard Seltzer, bring out the monster in you. Black Lagoon Hard Seltzer, available at a store, maybe near you. Please drink responsibly, and don't hurt the ones you love. I just wanted a pee. What a beer! Got the munchies! Try Deathco's new black legumes! Crunchy, crispy black legumes harvested from precious indigenous land with no proceeds going to the people who live there. Try it today! Become a real creature and munch our black legumes! Black Lagoons contain mercury, only available in Texas, Arkansas, Alabama, and Utah.
1: I think, really, with in regards to the creature and the suit itself, it's an amazing, call it a makeup effect, whatever the hell you want to call it, I think part of the reason they do show it off so early and so much is because it is a very impressive monster suit and especially when it's wet it's all glossed down when they uh, add the added gimmick of the the balloons in its gills to make them move it really brings life to that creature but in blu-ray you get a really good look at its eyes and those are some goofy motherfucking google eyes they got in that thing so they're, like they're very strange
0: I think, unfortunately, for Creature from the Black Lagoon, depending on which sequence you're watching, that might actually be the actor's eyes.
1: Uh, it's it's in the close up scenes uh, where they have the full non uh, non whole eyes, where uh, the actor couldn't see through them at all, and it's just these tiny little like doll eyes. They've been almost glued on to the outside of the uh, the suit. But I mean, that, again, it's a little thing. Uh, but it's such a great suit, and it's such an influential suit that has been kind of. Somewhat replicated over the years, where especially makeup effects artists in the '80s were all very much affected by *Creature from the Black Lagoon*. They all wanted to do their spin and their take on it. Um, I'd say *Monster Squad* has one of the better Gillman.
0: I mean, there's uh, a recent dude. Academy Award-winning movie that is because of *Creature from the Black Lagoon*. Such as, oh, *Shape of Water*. Yeah, Fish fucker. Yeah, the, there's a literal movie where the chick actually fucks the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, that was. That was a big thing, and uh, it's weird how you bring up Universal Monsters, you talk about monster movies, it's so quick to remember, oh, yeah, I know, the Wolfman, he, he's got nards, right? Uh, Frankenstein, Dracula. But for some reason, the creature from the Black Lagoon is often left out, and it's like a, a shadowed cousin that people, oh, yeah, 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 no, that's not a Universal Monster, though, God damn it! Yes, it is. It has just as much relevance. But I think directly because of the Universal Monsters, not just slasher films, but... Uh, to the likes of Don Dollar, but like directly, there there are sequences from the Creature from the Black Lagoon 100% ripped off in Jaws. So you can have the claim that Friday the 13th is just hatchet for the honeymoon, and it's just been stolen, and they've masked it and repackaged it something differently. All Jaws is this Creature from the Black Lagoon. They just made it a bit more realistic.
1: Well, uh, and I think Creature kind of gets thrown by the wayside a lot because Creature isn't particularly... Sexy, like Dracula's sexy. The Wolf Man, he's a, a like a beast. He's going to ravage you. Uh, Frankenstein uh, more garners pity from you. It's a more empathetic creature. But the creature from the Black Lagoon, the Gill Man, is just like it's a it's a fish man, and it's hard to like like really. Find yourself feel. I mean, you can feel sympathy for uh, the Gill Man. You ha- you had the empathy, but it's still a it's a creature you encounter on a normal basis and eat. Um, so <laughs> it's 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 a fish. I, I think there are some direct
0: scenes in the movie that not only relay the terror of men, mankind in general, but relay sympathy onto him. You've got this really eloquent scene after Julie Adams finishes her whole swimming sequence, and she's standing and smokes a cigarette. And it's when they're pouring in the local poison. They're trying to lure the gill man out, so they're poisoning the water hole. And they're dumping it into the water, and she throws her cigarette into the water. And our shot travels down into the water, and we see the gill man watching it. He sees the cigarette hit the water as they pour the poison into his lagoon. And despite this being such an early movie in an era where it really wasn't even affordable for a production company, a movie, yet alone... A horror movie to be making a judgment call like that i think there are very clever and beautifully laid in scenes like this to where he's not a villain he's not a monster he's been living there in harmony for years and years and years and now that his ecosystem has been destroyed you really have to ask the question would any of this have happened unless people had traversed too far in he doesn't care what they're doing here He doesn't care if they're here for ecology or they're studying fish swimming rituals and mating rituals or any of this bullshit. This motherfucker's been living there in peace, not bothering anyone. Maybe he eats a tribesman here and there. It happens. Crocodiles eat people. People get killed by elephants all the time. Anton Yelchin got crushed by his own fucking car. Accidents happen. Shit goes. It's life. It's terrible. But the creature wasn't doing anything, and these people come out of their way. They- they- can't just go with seeing him. They have to poison the entire water system that he lives in, damaging everything. caymans turtles, what about the people that live downstream that were drinking that water? It's, it's, I think, so boringly shown in the movie because it's something as simple as a cigarette being flicked into the water, but we directly see the creature seeing it. If you could have sad violin music movie in a, in a movie like this and it'd be appropriate, obviously this would have been the scene in which you would do it, but I think, with it going directly into the next scene, then poisoning the fucking water. There's a lot more to this than it's a monster. It's a rubber monster. I think I there's know, more. I, more. Emotion. I think the
1: attempt is made. The attempt yes, to an attempt bring the character, uh, sort of sympath- uh, sympathy to it. I just don't think it's as easy to bring sympathy to it uh, because it it didn't start out as a man like, uh, say like you know the Wolfman or Frankenstein It didn't start out as being a character with much sympathy and. I think Gamora del Toro was able to achieve that, like that desired, uh, how do you, how do you put it into words? You made a lovely romance movie where a woman fucks a fish because that's genuinely what he did. I mean, and it's, and it's very romantic and I don't see that same kind of um, like love and support from this, original creature from the Black Lagoon movie. I think the attempt was there. I just don't think the audience, A, was prepared to deal with that sort of those sort of feelings, specifically with this kind of monster. But just the monster in itself is, it's very much a creature and does not have much humanity
0: in it. See, I don't think the attempt is there necessarily for that to relate to it. I think it's to feel sorry for its environment and to question the nature of man of why are we going out there why why do we find something beautiful like butterfly collecting we find something gorgeous and then we pin it up on a wall and we kill it what is the point of this has man gone too far and it's a it's a monster movie so we are supposed to hate the monster and fear it but even in frankenstein that's that's the duality of the movie Horrible things are happening, but you feel wretched for it. When the little girl dies, it's a pure accident. It's not like a piece of horrifying, murderous history as to where somebody like Jason, Freddy Krueger, they specialize in killing children. Freddy Krueger was a kid fucker. And then he got burned for being a kid fucker, then came back and killed more goddamn kids. There's absolutely nothing redeemable about that character, but the creature was just fucking chilling. I think it's it's not clearly shown, and... and I totally but get they what do, you're saying. Make like, the but, attempt
1: to make one of the uh, the human characters a very villainous character, and you had the more sympathetic characters towards the creature. But I just I'm talking about on a purely uh, psychological level that an audience is not particularly prepared to find that sympathy that that biases within them because he is mostly just an animal, and the the humanity is just isn't there for them to to latch onto until someone like Del Toro came along.
0: And I think it's directly where uh, the misunderstanding comes with, with maybe the the intent of the creature. I don't see it as him coming after the, the Julie Andrews... Is, is it Julie Andrews? I mean, I, I feel that's the fucking chick from The Sound of Music, man. I feel the Julie Adams character isn't being stalked by the creature. I, I think... Uh, well, yes and no. I think it's, he's enamored with it because she didn't show as much fear as everyone else, but again, like you were saying, those innuendos and things like that can't be represented and, and introduced to an audience of that time period and be as eloquently understood, because most people that were seeing this movie are, are definitely younger. I would say like 8 to 14 years old that were going to the cinema and seeing flicks like this in the, in the early 1950s, but It's there, obviously, enough that not only can we babble about it, but Del Toro picked up on it and made an absolutely wonderful movie that I think the nature of is touching, because I don't think it's just, uh, as we have said jokingly, about fucking a fish, but there is something about the identity and the soul, the and I don't mean that in a religious purpose, but I mean the core of somebody and falling in love and the idea of love that is represented really beautifully that comes, again, I've been babbling about this the whole episode, things that are referenced or used or borrowed or stolen or created because of Creature from the Black Lagoon. I think more so than the Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, that the Creature, this one movie, the concepts, the Creature itself... The people that were in this movie and their performances and the questions that are asked uh, that we have even asked on this show, whether it be the involvement of man on the ecosystem and eco-terrorism and things like that, has translated and been used over and over and over and over and over again. I think the, 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 the highlight of that era was the 1970s, but even um, kaiju movies. Obviously, Godzilla is a completely different franchise, but you move into a certain specific era, 1980 onward, I think, fucking swamp thing Stephen Bissett, you can't tell me that he didn't use the creature from the black lagoon as a basis and a reference to his ideology yeah, that's for that the,
1: that's the next generation those are the people who were kids when they saw creature not the, the the mass audience at large they grew up and really identify with the creature as as an outsider and that's kind of where we get a lot of our modern monster movies today like del toro you can totally see his love for creature in the shape of water and how he related to the, the, uh, the character. But again, think about his age when he saw it, he was a kid when he saw it. And that's like, that's the vision he had with it. I think adults of the era who were out to see a good old fashioned horror film, um, just kind of saw him as a, uh, a monster that is to be defeated, even though there is an attempt to make him a little, a little bit more human throughout the entire thing. But, that's the interesting thing about how, especially from this era, the 1960s kids growing up watching it, what they became obsessed with and what they eventually turned things into, uh, when they grew up like Steven Spielberg, George, did I call him Spielberg? Yes, he did Spielberg and George Lucas grew up to like make originally cereals. Like Indiana Jones is like, a, it's almost like a cereal from the 1930s. Um, same thing with, um, Star Wars is basically Flash Gordon all over again and the way they took that and turned it into their own thing is what's kind of interesting because a lot of these films like this, especially the Universal Monster movies, really affect the uh, the children in the audience into a much more interesting degree than it did the adults because they were, I mean, they're all World War II vets and stuff, so this is all kind of silly to them, but their kids really learned to empathize with the monsters over the years. I think there's a key to that, though,
0: progressively, when you you go through the eras of universal monster movies. And this was something that was late to the game. You had made a notion of this early on in the episode. Monster movies weren't the end thing. We have begun to traverse into the stars and occasionally deep into the sea. But the plight that this movie, I think, offers is, is so dual directional that generations and generations later, you can really look at it from... Yes, these people, these scientists, you can look at them. And that's something that's interesting too with this movie is how often beforehand did you have scientists that weren't mad, weren't crazy, weren't demented and insane, that there wasn't some sort of kitschy aspect to this. And here we have really professional, good-looking people, so you can believe in them. You can actually think... That they, and, and this is my opinion, that they are out there under the good intent of science, which I don't think there's any fucking good intent of anything whatsoever. I think this guy... Not inherently, no. Yeah, the, the Gill man was just chilling out in the goddamn jungle, doing his jungle stuff, he was having a good time, and... They, uh, they poison the water hole. I mean, it has even, gosh, it has tactics of the era, something very, very popular in the early 1950s of Western movies. And when you break it down, you've got a heavy, you've got kind of the bully character, you've got the big black hat or maybe white hat, depending on how you want to look at him, the creature from the Black Lagoon. You've got the fair maiden. All of this is the exact same teleplay that would be on Buck Rogers. There's There's nothing different. There's nothing... I would say really unique about the formula to what makes the creature from the Black Lagoon story, I think what makes it unique is some of the really subtle representations and, and like, the cigarette scene I've discussed. Just throwing that cigarette into the water, but letting us see the creature below looking up at them like, what the hell? I don't come to your house and piss on the floor. This is ridiculous. I'm going to go kill them all. I think that's the most reasonable thing to do. (laughs) And you're looking at a 1950s audience, yes. These subtleties aren't as obvious. And I don't, I'm not saying people from the 50s are fucking stupid. What I'm saying is eight-year-olds that went and watched this movie might not have picked up on that. But I do think, you know, watch Creature from the Black Lagoon and then watch uh, Long Weekend and tell me that you don't sense some similarities. Like, uh, Long Weekend is Creature from the Black Lagoon if, if there was no
1: creature. It's really a similar film. That's the build, though. And when you get to something like Long Weekend and you get to something like The Shape of Water... It's how the generations growing up view the film, and I think it's a much more powerful message that they take, and with their imaginations of what they saw from Creature of the Black Lagoon, it might not be as inherent in the original, but the the vibe that these people got from it, they've taken it and twisted it into their own thing, and that's where we are now, where like, almost all evil characters from the past get at least some sort of a day in court and are discussed and broken down into well he was you know he was evil for this purpose or blah 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 i don't approve of what he's done but at least i understand why they are doing it and, and like that's the interesting thing is just the reprimand we've given a lot of these monsters over the years of kind of seeing things through their perspective and that a lot of that is due to just the children growing up watching this and really taking it all to heart and interpreting it with their imaginations and how far they could go with the story and its concepts that they're building in their own minds.
0: Especially because most of these movies, and I can't speak for Jack Arnold who directed this, they weren't made with as much thought as as people like me and you put into them. That it's years and years later so much of the emphasis is, is tacked on to the movie. But that's what makes them fun. That's what makes movies immortal is being able to constantly retranslate, constantly re-look at what makes the magical what made you feel magic with it the creature from the black lagoon for me is something from my childhood this was always my favorite universal monster i've always held it in a great deal of esteem i saw frankenstein i saw all the other ones as a kid this this stuck out to me this was different maybe because he was slimy and weird a movie that i feel deeply could have been and probably would have been much more fantastical if it was in color. I always found it haunting. It was something that made me not want to go swimming in lakes and creeks. It was something that affected me on a childlike level and then I grow up and I watch it and I examine the movie and I see all these different angles, I can appreciate and have a lot of romance with a movie like that because I I can love it forever. I can always have a special place in my heart. And we've discussed this on many episodes before. Sometimes you watch a movie when you're a kid and you have a lot of love for it and it's, it's fucking munchy. You know, <laughs> there's not a lot you can defend on a movie like, I don't know. You know, when I was six, I thought Tom DeLuise was funny because I was a little fucking bastard. Whatever. You, you can have a story, but that story might not be the justification that... Is, is true to why a movie is good or bad. The Creature from the Black Lagoon, you can love it as a child, you can love it as an adult, you can love it as a film aficionado, and like Alexander Nash was pointing out, this is not some immaculately perfectly shot thing. Like, Dracula is gorgeous. What's even better is the Mexican version of Dracula. It is devastating. Some of the photography is, is insane. Fritz Lang in the 1930s was doing movies like M. You have things like Metropolis that... You could technically consider maybe an early monster movie. Devastating, just, just stunning, beautiful photography. The underwater stuff, yeah, it's out of this world. It's never been done before at this time period. It's really, really great. It, you, you can't get past how great that is, but the rest of the movie is, is, I wouldn't even say, quaint. It's nothing to write home about until the creature appears, and you watch it on like Blu-ray, like Alexander Nash was saying. I think magic is completely stolen from you. I I do dare say find the shittiest fucking version of this movie. You can and watch it and enjoy it as dark and gritty as you can, because there's something
1: magical about that. I think that's also kind of a Testament though, to the film itself. If you look at it as it may not be particularly well made in a lot of ways, Um, the creature suits are really amazing and stuff, but It's lasted this long and affected this many people over the years to to the point of, as you mentioned, that it's someone basically remade it and gave it and they gave it best picture of the year. That's a testament to what they've created, which was basically for a quick buck. This wasn't an art picture. This was "Ah, that sounds like a like a good idea. We could probably make some money off of it. And they did. They made it made some money and it's lasted for um, God, 60 years now. I mean they were supposed
0: to make like 6 of them. I think the general idea even in 1952 before the movie had gone into initial photography was
1: 70 re- years. Hold on, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah,
0: 1953 is when the movie came out, so this is a a, a storied era of of multiple generations that it's been touched uh, that has been touched by this movie. But I, again, it it was made 100% to make more and more and more of trying to re-kick the monster movie into effect and what's unique about that is the rubber monster movie of course did begin getting really prolific in this era but i don't think it was until the 1970s or so that you really got the peak of it that some of the greatest rubber monster movies would come into some of like the shit we've done on the show before So for the rest of the month, we'll be running through the eras. This is the 1950s. We'll have the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe more? Who knows? Four episodes, a special one or two. We're being very, very... nondescript. Or we could do a mysterious music cue and say, This is all deeply well planned and we're misleading the audience because it'll be a horror mystery for the month of October. Who knows? But before we get out of here, I want to bring up Millicent Patrick. Researching the creature from the Black Lagoon, it seems like there's a bit of unjust history in this that Millicent Patrick was... A very storied person with her career i don't want to get too deep into her she was the first female animator for disney but more importantly it really looks like she created the creature from the black lagoon's look that she came up with what is so iconic what is so copied what is so well known to this day you look up universal monsters creature from the black lagoon he's right up there with frankenstein dracula the wolfman and the mummy and she's not given credit for it that somebody else the special effects manager And we'll just avoid saying his name, so maybe Patrick can have a little bit of star time here. Directly wanted credit for it, had a very big problem with sharing his star, and she was actually fired after going on a press release tour, giving the credits as the creator of The Creature from the Black Lagoon for this movie. And that's just kind of shitty. I mean, I I personally think so. You don't see it in a lot of reviews. You don't see it brought up very often. So from that point onward she never worked for universal again and her career really went down the drain because a big asshole producer didn't like sharing his star with somebody of much more esteemed talent than him so when you watch creature from the black lagoon at least something to take note of is the work of millicent patrick who created the sketches down to painting the suit you can find even photos of this on google images so it really sucks that the movie's so highly spoken about. For years and years and years, they wanted to keep it a secret who played the creatures. And we know who those guys are. We can share their names. We can talk about the writing problems. And there's 30 different writers for this movie. But the creator of the creature from the Black Lagoon not getting credit. Well, that kind of sucks. So, viva la, Millicent Patrick. With that, I Alexander Nash is going to pull the stopper and get out of the bath. The ashtray is full, and the bottle is empty. We'll see you next week with more monsters. We're entering the 1960s. I'm
1: going to need a towel. You got to air dry, baby. Air dry.
2: mechanically reproduced
3: i'm linnea and i like death by dvd it's a statement
2: the management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning and now our national anthem by DVD Sentinel Remix by Linus Fitness Center Find them and follow them on SoundCloud, Facebook and Instagram today.